Here's something you may not have known, which is that Bill Gates prefers Android over iPhone. Really? Are you surprised by that? Um, yeah. I mean, he went head to head. He battled with Apple for years. Him and Jobs, they went back when you had the Windows versus Mac thing. So maybe it's not all that surprising, but he's got his own stuff going on versus Google as well. But I guess the man's got to pick a platform. And it seems sure. to me he's got a kind of thing going where, because, you know, he's been getting questioned with the Tesla stuff as well. Like, oh, did, were you shorting Tesla? Mm -hmm. Did you, are you pals with Elon Musk? What's going on over here? But he's kind of got a little history of being uh, contrarian where it seems that one platform is, let's say, taking off or what you might expect him to use or choose. And then he's like, no, not for me. That's not the one. I mean, it's hard to say that about Android now because obviously Android is the most successful platform, at least in terms of user base. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess depending on region and a number of other factors. Yeah. But anyway, the conversation came up because recently he was doing an interview on Clubhouse. Okay. And one of the things about Clubhouse is it's iOS only for now. Oh. Won't be forever, but for now. And so people are like, wait a second. Wait a second, Bill. You're Mr. Android. How are you on this app right now? How would uh -huh. you find yourself on this application, Mr. Android? He's like, nah, you know. He's like, I can get, in a, I can get on an iPhone here and there. I got those too. Mm -hmm. I'm Bill Gates. Yeah. You can get any phone. Sure. And But he did something similar when the question was posed to him. He was asked, uh, he was asked why he chooses to use an Android phone. More specifically, let's see what the question was. Uh, Sorkin, who was doing the interview, was curious if his preference might have changed given that he was speaking through a service that's only available for iOS. In response, the Microsoft founder explained that he still prefers Android, but that he keeps an iPhone around to try out, and apparently for joining Clubhouse Rooms. Here's his reasoning. This is the quote from Gates himself. Okay. I actually use an Android phone because I want to keep track of everything. I'll often play around with iPhones, but the one I carry around happens to be Android. Some of the Android manufacturers pre-install Microsoft software in a way that makes it easy for me. They're more flexible about how the software connects up with the operating system. So that's what I ended up getting used to. You know, a lot of my friends have iPhone, so there's no purity. He did the same thing with the Tesla statement when Bloomberg was pushing him on that. And they said, did you short Tesla? And he said, you know, a lot of my friends have Teslas. Not me, but a lot of my friends. So I'm cool with it. Uh -huh. Because a lot of my friends, it's a weird way of phrasing it. Like, it's not for me, but my friends have it. And so I'm okay with it. You right. know what I mean? If you ask me if I like a cheeseburger, and I'm like, you know what? I don't eat too many cheeseburgers. My friends love them. So you're a diplomat. I don't know. It's just a weird, I get it. He's saying he's got no problem with it, but that it's not for him. Mm-hmm. And as far as the motivation and incentives, uh, many have mentioned that, hey, Bill, you can get all of your apps. I'm sure you're aware you can get all your Microsoft apps on iOS. Mm -hmm. But he did put that piece in there saying some of them come pre-installed. And I can't remember right now, but it is true. Some 
Android devices do have those Microsoft apps baked in natively mm -hmm. as you set them up, or at least as optional check marks as you're setting up the phone. Right. And so those partnerships likely took some time and some handshakes, and he's uh, th there's a, an upside for Microsoft as a company to promote those products that are going to make it easier to interact with their products mm -hmm. and maybe even encourage you to interact with their product. Mm -hmm. So there are... There are there's a variety of incentives here, but this clubhouse thing is weird because it has brought up in a, 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 a conversation that we haven't had in a really long time. Of wait a minute, there's a new like I remember when Instagram was iOS only, mm -hmm. and it was a real you felt like a second class citizen sitting over there on Android, and all the pals were on the Instagram. Yeah, and then so that lucky. conversation <laughs> died because everybody knew you got to be on Android. The user base is enormous. You got to be cr uh, a cross-platform uh, mm -hmm. application. And then Clubhouse comes out and they're like, no, we're going to play it old school. Mm. We're going to come launch on iOS first. And we're going to even do a step better. We're going to make it invite only to make it feel even more exclusive. Mm -hmm. So they had a plan. They had a program. And it seems to be working out for them. But as far as Bill Gates is concerned, he's giving you his reasoning. He prefers Android. He, he still feels uh, that it helps him keep track of everything. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what that meant, but <laughs> I guess it's just Windows apps. So. Yeah, he, said, he said it's uh, Android manufact manufacturers are more flexible with software integration. I presume that on the back end, he feels that uh, developing for Android or, or porting those Microsoft applications, I, there's some benefit there. Mm -hmm for his own products, although he's less affiliated with Microsoft than he has been, but obviously the loyalty is there. Mm -hmm. And probably a couple of shares, a couple yeah. of stonks. Apparently, the delay of the iPhone 12 may have actually worked in Apple's favor. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to even keep it all together at this point. It's been such a blur. Mm. 2019, 2020. 2021 what's been going on i mean that's three separate numbers that feel like one feels like one long year that sure. has been since this stuff's been going on but anyway as far as the iphone 12 was concerned uh, it was like one of the first times in a long time that apple really missed its usual cycle for uh, getting a product out and of course production delays and things like this it wasn't it doesn't, it, it, it's not something that they had uh, engineered to be that way. But there's some data here from CounterPoint that seems to indicate that there may be some sort of an advantage to having been a little bit later. Mm -hmm. uh, here's what it says as far as the delayed launch benefits. Apple may have declined slightly in 2020, but this doesn't tell the full story. The decision to de delay the launch of the iPhone 12 appears to have paid off for two reasons. First, it gave the iPhone 11 and iPhone SE the opportunity to demonstrate remarkable longevity, selling continuously well in many markets throughout the year. So we can talk specifically here about the iPhone SE, which just seemed to hit at the absolute perfect moment at $399 being the cheapest Apple option currently. The world was just, you know, in a rough spot. And here comes the cheapest iPhone you can buy. And people were just like, oh, damn, I've been, I got this iPhone 6 or 7 or whatever, 8. Here we go. Touch ID 
on, a, on an Apple device in a time where everyone was wearing masks. Mm. Like, it was just great timing, great price, etc. And it could have, in a way, been, if it had less time to be sort of the headline device, it may have not done justice to just how perfect of a, of a product, full, all things considered, from a, a economic and economic environment standpoint, pandemic standpoint, yep. and things. So there was an advantage there. I got to sit around as the latest Apple-released smartphone for a while. Second, it built up demand for the new device, which, when it finally launched in October, sold spectacularly. In fact, the iPhone 12 was Apple's most successful device launched to date and drove Apple to a record share high of 30% in Q4 2020. So it was kind of like a supply and demand thing, almost like the PlayStation 5 or something. It was like the more you told people they can't have it or that it's delayed, the more that somebody got excited about it. Mm -hmm. So that appears to have taken place as well. Obviously, smartphone sales, they analyzed Europe here specifically in 2020. They were down 14% on the previous year, and Apple wasn't completely immune either, falling 4% from 2019 levels. So the market impacts are pretty obvious here. People humans they're sitting back they're chilling they're like you know what i don't need that new smartphone right now mm -hmm. which is understandable given the landscape of planet earth uh however apple seems to have weathered the storm fairly well and i just say man as far as myself gathering a new perspective here on uh uh like, speaking of the iPhone SE, speaking of price points and flagships and this and that, I did the video re relatively recently looking at the best-selling devices on Amazon. And I saw, okay, here it is. It's an iPhone 8, a refurbished iPhone 8 at 179 And I'm sitting there saying, you know, this is not reflected in tech content because of the nature of which how many devices are getting featured and, of course, our... Uh, our selection towards premium only. I mean, look, it would be this way for anybody. If you were sitting here and they sent you every smartphone on earth, you would be gravitating towards the premium ones because they're sitting there and you're yeah. not, it's not a big consideration for you. Oh, it's a thousand dollars. Oh, it's, you know, and that's just, being honest with the thing. But it's not an accurate reflection of what's going on in the world. And so the aim with that particular video and experiment, like, let me just grab one of these refurbished phones and see what's really going on over here. And the truth of the matter is that the public is, you know, cost conscious right now, and rightfully so. And that's the success of the SE, and it's the success of these refurb phones as well. And it's the success of the cheaper Pixel devices, which were also in that list. Mm. The most successful Pixel device, 349, the 4A. So I'm just saying reality check. That's all I'm saying, you know, amongst the community. Mm -hmm. And those of us that have been doing this for so long that sometimes you got to stick your head up. Sometimes you've been snoozing. That's where I was at. Mm -hmm. 10 years. 10 years. It's a you big know, chunk of time. 10 years, it's piling on top of you. You got to poke your head out every so often. All the phones are piling on top. You got to poke your head out. 
figure out what's, you know, walk the streets. Yeah. I mean, not, but I'm sure. saying figuratively. Yeah. See what's going on, man. Sheesh. As far as walking the streets is concerned, look at this. A woman orders an iPhone 12 Pro Max from Apple and instead receives apple-flavored yogurt drink. You can see this one coming. Well, mm. look at that milky drink. Could be worse. I mean, it could be nothing. Yeah. First off, have you ever yeah. experienced a milky apple drink? Not apple, but uh, go on. Banana. It hmm. seems uh, really popular in, I think, Korea. Yeah. They have these fruit flavored milks. Yeah. Which is it's kind of like a yogurt drink, almost yeah. like a yop. Kind of. Go ahead. A, a what? A yop. A have yop. you ever have you ever tried a oh, yop? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's they're, like it's like good. a mini little, or or a Dan Active is another one, which is a yogurt drink, but yep. it ha it has like some sort of uh, probiotic aspect to it. But yeah, yop. I used to drink that. That's been around, man. As a kid, I had a few yops. I thought they were called yopes. Did you ever try one of those? No. It's like a, it's a sweet. It's a sweet, milky, fruity drink. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing because of the, the the woman that got the milky drink in the juice box, for whatever reason, I feel like it's not as thick. Because you got a small straw in a box like that. Correct. So that's going to be a thinner drink. Uh-huh. Just putting that out there. Sure. But also, apple and milk feels a little weirder than like raspberry and milk or even banana and milk. Because often you're seeing the banana in the smoothie type drinks. Uh huh. Often you're seeing the raspberry or the blueberry in the smoothie type drink. Yeah. You're not often seeing the apple in there. No. Anyway, no. it's not what she wanted. Uh huh. She wanted an iPhone because she doesn't want to be out here paying $1,500 for a milky drink. Yeah, it's not worth that much. And the crazy part is she ordered it from Apple directly. You can see from the box. You know for sure that's Apple's box. And the truth was somebody got a hold of her phone mm -hmm. and was real rude about it. Mm -hmm. Because that's calculated. Whoever was delivering that box or handled that box on its way to delivery, somewhere in between the Apple shipping facility and this individual who purchased it, Oh, it is yogurt. Yeah, somebody had a selection, a, a case milk. of these milky drinks with the Apple logo because they knew they were about to sting people. Uh-huh. And they picked that flavor intentionally. Yeah. This is calculated. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit trolly. Well, it says milky here. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to solve the mystery. It's milky, right? Yeah. It's milk. Yeah, okay. Okay, so the article is wrong. Why? It says yogurt. Yeah, but what's the difference between milky and, and yogurt? Like, what's the difference? I mean, it's dairy. Sure. What's the difference? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I hear you that yogurt is thicker than milk. <laughs> but we already covered this because I said that drink's going to be thinner. Sure. Try, try the milky flavor. Dude, drink. I'll try a it's milky a, drink. It's no it's problem. Good. It's no problem. Um, anyway, so she followed up. It's a huge scam. I don't know. This must be happening to other people because... There's no way this dude is that calculated. I assume it's a dude. I don't know. It could be anybody. Uh huh. To have to have apple flavored drink on hand, but she spent more than fifteen hundred dollars to be on the end of this joke, 
And so now the express mail service has been brought into it, the courier, because on Apple's end, they say, no, the phone was delivered successfully. They don't even want to be involved. And uh, nobody knows when the theft occurred. Now, instead of having it delivered right to her door, it went to a box, an express mailbox, I guess. And uh, I guess it was like maybe in the lobby or nearby mm. her premises. And so that could have that could take place right. at that area as well. Either way, the express mail service has hired dedicated people to investigate the matter. The investigation is still going on. And Apple has also shared a similar response. The company says the iPhone 12 Pro Max case will be resolved pretty soon. <laughs> okay. Now, the real yeah. question is, all right, What's you that? get scammed. You order an iPhone 12 Pro. What shows up is an apple-flavored milky drink. You begin the process of trying to get to the bottom of it. You begin the investigation with the courier and yep. Apple themselves. Uh -huh. You do all the right things. You send all the right emails. You make all the right calls. And not drinking the Hang on one second. milky drink. Hang on that's one second. Evidence. Hang on one second. Sure. You hang up the phone. You close okay. the lid on the laptop, and it's just you and the milky drink. Uh-huh. Does it hurt your case if you consume the milky drink in the meantime? Considering, hmm. considering how affected you already are. I think you deserve to have the milky drink and if, to have the yeah, phone Yeah, because you're stressed out. Yes. Um, well, that's evidence. I can't. I you're can't not drinking. tampering with it. Okay, you, you know? keep it there. I guess it could also be tampered with. Maybe it's poison. Yeah, yeah don't drink exactly. the milky drink, ladies and gentlemen. Here's another one for Apple. Actually, last story relating to Apple. There's this new situation in France where France is forcing companies to display their repairability score. And you know Apple, they love the environmental talk. They'll, they'll chat your ear off mm -hmm. as far as the environment's concerned. We're, We're saving the planet. Carbon neutral, carbon phones. negative. There's no more carbon. We're Apple and we just took care of carbon. Uh-huh. No more emissions. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know how it goes. I always thought it was funny. They're, they're, ta they're always telling us about how much they're saving the planet. But then every year they're telling us to get this slab of precious metals. Yeah. yeah. Mined from... Uh, transported around. And you're like, wait, man, is that... It's just a funny set of messaging. But look, I mean, we all buy things, and if nobody cared or nobody made any effort, well, it would get out of hand really quickly. Mm -hmm. So the focus is uh, makes sense, but it's, it's just kind of funny the way the company that's selling boatloads, literal boatloads of precious metals compacted together and shipped across the world using vessels... Mm -hmm. is also teaching us how to deal with the environment. It's just, I always found that. Yeah. Anyway, in France, where they'll take the environment situation to even another level, they're saying, well, if we can't repair these things, then it becomes waste faster. Now, Apple probably says, well, we can refurbish that for you, but they're saying people will hold on to their devices longer. This is how a government would think about it mm -hmm. and therefore wouldn't need another one and therefore the environment global environment might benefit from the fact that people aren't getting a new slab 
every five minutes. And so in order to encourage people to pick more repairable devices, they're forcing companies to publish their own repairability scores. Now, these things have never been all that repairable, but it's getting it's been getting considerably more difficult to repair them over the years because I can speak from experience, Will. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to go into it because I've gone into it on this show before. Yes. I was repairing these things. Uh-huh. I was I, I had the suction cups and the heat guns. Yeah, we don't have to, you know. And the stickers and the spudgers. Yep. This was before early days I fix it. I didn't have a diagram. I'm just yanking at things. Yeah. A lot of it, yeah. Anyway, uh so they're tough to repair and Apple knows it and France wants you to know it. And so what they're doing is if you go to Apple's support page in France now, and you can click on any Apple device, including like I'll just select the 12 Pro Max, for example, and you can see out of a potential score of 10, it's getting a big six in there. And you can just tell, I mean, it's not, it's not great. Uh, the repairability section, I mean, there's, a, they, there's different scores. You can see documentation and it's all written in French, so I apologize. Uh, I can't, uh, I'm not going to be able to translate that in real time very quickly here, but you can you can see where it's being docked points and you could run a translation, but the ultimate uh, score here is a 6 out of 10. Or huh. more specifically, it looks like a 59.6 out of 100. Not great. Mm -hmm. Not great. Uh. And there's other devices you can check as well. I guess you can look at, oh look, we can load up a MacBook Pro 13. It's a 5.6 or a 56.2 out of 100. Even worse. Huh. So we already knew everything is baked into these systems. They're very difficult to get access to. Special screws, adhesives, and things like this. It's no surprise. It's just now they're being forced to kind of uh, display it over here. It's part of... Uh, these. By the way, these color-coded labels will be on products both online and in stores. It's an anti-waste law designed to keep shoppers abreast of the lifespan of their electronics to encourage encourage them to choose longer lasting items. Fines for non-compliance are expected to be introduced next year. So a lot of brands are having to do this. It's not just Apple. It's just oh. interesting to look at Apple. By the way, it's a lot of phones, man. If, if I bring up a Samsung phone or something, it's all embedded these days. If you go to iFixit, every time I look at a teardown, it's like, oh, there's another one that's hard to, they're hard to repair. Mm -hmm. All right, that's, that's the way it is. I don't know if you saw this. This was a couple of days ago. Twitter unveiled a new super follow feature. Did you see this one? I did, yeah. Okay, so this had a weird, people were very not into this. Uh, from what I can tell the sentiment, now, I don't know, maybe everybody's aggravated these days. It's a lot of aggravation these days. I feel mm -hmm. like every comment section I go to is aggravation. Mm -hmm. No one's uh, cheering and celebrating for pretty much anything. But the sentiment that I saw was, this is dumb. I pay for no one's tweets. This app is free. Get out of my face. Stop asking me for money. Don't encourage other people to ask me for money, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just a feature. You don't have to use it if you don't want to. The, uh, as far as the super follow is concerned, it could take the form of extra tweets, joining a community group, or receiving a newsletter, the firm said. 
Well, these are their examples, right? But you know there's all kinds of reasons people are going to try to put their tweets behind a paywall. Sure. A bunch of uh, unspoken potential reasons. Yeah. Well, you don't know, man. Maybe you need to get up on that on a, a really specific newsletter. You want to pay a dollar for it uh-huh. or something. It's about uh, how to... Uh, it's about how to... Uh, Restore a Hot Wheels? That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh. It's, about to re- it's about the new techniques, the hottest, most recent techniques on yeah. how to restore Hot Wheels or the greatest collectibles or the sure. highest value Hot Wheels NFTs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, this was unveiled at a virtual event, event which was he- uh, held for investors. It's the first time the platform has announced significant changes to the way that people can use it. It is also testing a live audio discussion service, which obviously is is taking aim at Clubhouse. And Mm -hmm. I think this makes a lot of sense. This one, uh, Twitter Spaces or whatever they're going to call it. Uh, Part of me doesn't want to do a whole nother social media thing. So the idea of jumping into a Clubhouse style chat, but just doing it right on Twitter, seeing all the people I already follow and I'm connected to, like I kind of like Mm -hmm. this thing. This is sort of appealing. Uh, anyway, there being the, some of the critiques as far as uh, this new service is concerned, is uh, for those with compelling enough content, this service could be attractive. But I expect it will be hard to deliver big paydays for the average Twitter user. When you've had an application that's been free forever, and the perception is that it's free, but that's the biggest thing to overcome. Is yeah. that n- n- now you're going to ask people for money? Like I think. This is one of the ways in which like people still stream on Twitch, for example. It's just known yeah. for it. It's just the thing. And then other companies come and launch. Their, or, or TikTok will be known for short video. Others will add it. But it's just hard to shed your origin story. Yeah. Especially when the barrier of entry is so low. Anyway, this, uh, this super follow is uh, due to be launched this year. So we'll see. But... Uh, there have been there is one poll that was posted by social media consultant Matt Navarra. He asked his followers whether they were prepared to pay a premium for their favorite Twitter accounts, and 85% responded that they would not pay. Right. We have some new screenshots here, a tease of the new uh, uh, Halo Infinite. It's been a wild ride yep. for Halo, and I actually booted up the Halo. Which one? Uh, you know, Halo 2. Okay, classic. I booted up to Halo 2. And what was the other Halo? Tried them all. Try- oh, you got the Master Collection? We got the Master Collection! Okay. And, uh, you know, I was trying to show the youngsters how, Back in the day. how I used to do it in the Halo. Were and you so good? I, abs- I smoked them. Oh. Yeah, they're trash. Those youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> Not true at all, by the way. But anyway, you know, there's a vibe to the Halo thing, Will. Mm-hmm. It's such a vibe to it. Oh, yeah, that vibe. Oh, sure. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I hear you. And so I was looking forward to this next version, but they ran into all kinds of issues. People were just really killing them on the graphics and. Uh, it was a big, it was a huge miss. I mean, let's be honest here. 
It was supposed to launch alongside the Xbox Series X, and they would have sold a ton more Xbox Series X if that thing was ready to go. Mm -hmm. But they're not done with it. They're working on it. <laughs> How dare you show the Craig meme? So rude over here. Anyway, they shared some new screenshots. They're still they 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 claim it's going to be good. Will I believe them? And so hey, you got to you got to uh, click through some of these screenshots over here. There's a link at the top of this article on Engadget. That looks great. I mean, the gameplay. No, no, never mind gameplay. Let's not. We're not there yet. Just sure. screenshots. Even so, I think there's a link. Uh, yeah, shared. Click on the sh where it says shared there, okay. and you're gonna see a few. And, and it's looking pretty promising. I mean, they're just screenshots, but you know, you know. I mean, it looks uh, more next gen, does it not? Yeah. Yeah. It looks good. It says work in progress. They put the little uh, warning on there. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's something to get excited about. Sure. I feel like it might be all right when it's all said and done. Uh-huh. I feel like it might be a game you could play. Yeah. You might even call it next gen. So anyway. I think, uh, well, this is cool. They're showing uh, dynamic lighting. So, oh, this is a whole image. Oh. Yeah, I know. I see what you mean. For sure. Yeah, same environment, Starry's, different times of day. Night, yeah. Yeah. Blue sky. Man, it's exciting times. I, I think uh, in the long run, you know, you take the delay and you get a better game out of it. Yeah. In the long run. Mm -hmm. So, good, exciting. good luck to the team, 343 Industries and Microsoft. Uh, so apparently Huawei may be looking into its own electric vehicle. And I know you remember, I was talking about how they're getting to the pig farming, uh -huh. AI related to pig farming. And, you know, they're just looking all over the place right now. Now this report, I believe their response is no, we're not, but there's, uh, insiders, those with knowledge that, uh, are indicating that Huawei has some plans as far as electric vehicles are concerned. This report coming via Reuters. China's Huawei plans to make electric vehicles under its own brand and could launch some models this year? Four sources said, as the world's largest telecommunications equipment maker has been battered by U.S. sanctions and is exploring a strategic shift. Now, you know the EV market in China is bananas. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to get a piece it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, uh, cars that need to be sold. Never mind EVs; they might as well be EVs. Mm -hmm. People are buying cars over there. Uh, Huawei Technologies is in talks with state-owned Chang'an Auto Automobile and other automakers to use their car plants to make its electric vehicles, according to two people familiar with the matter. There it is, familiar with the matter. So the spokesperson from Huawei has to come out and say, absolutely false. Mm -hmm. There is no truth to, these, to this speculation. And then Reuters has to say, two people with knowledge of the matter. Uh -huh. And that's how it works. That's how you do this thing, Will. Yeah. Just letting you know. Apparently, Huawei's also in discussions with Beijing-backed BAIC Group, Blue Park New Energy Technology, to manufacture its EVs. 
Now, it could be that it's a collaboration type thing. We uh, previously talked about Huawei testing self-driving autonomous tech, AI tech, uh, smart roads. So we don't necessarily know if you see an EV with a Huawei badge on it or if it's a Huawei powered from one of the other. Like You don't know what these, but the indication here seems to be that you would see an actual Huawei car. Now, this is probably only meaningful to those in China because I believe they would run into the same complications attempting to export right. such a thing under that brand name. So we'll have to wait and see. But it is this uh, con continual merging of the automotive and the tech sector, and they really are becoming one. Mm -hmm. We talked about the Apple car, which you're well aware of. We talked about uh, other other EV makers getting into autonomous or, or making big commitments to shift to EV. We talked about Google and Ford's new partnership, and we talked about Huawei possibly launch. So now it's like, wow, the Samsung car, what is happening? Mm -hmm. What are the limitations? Time will tell. Now, staying on the, on the topic of EVs, Tesla CEO Elon Musk is apparently under, under investigation for Dogecoin tweets. Hmm. Did we cover this topic already? Uh, maybe, maybe uh, hmm. briefly. Anyway, he got, listen, he has a, a history of interactions with the SEC. We mm -hmm. talked about this in real life. That's what it is. Yeah, where he would tweet something and then get in trouble. No, it was huge, man. It was a massive fine. It was uh, $20 million. Himself and Tesla each had to pay a $20 million fine. Oh. Like, I, I mean, I, as far as fines go, particularly a personal fine on your name, mm -hmm. 20 million for a tweet. I don't know. That might be, like, I don't know if there's been a bigger fine on a tweet. It was for this tweet right here, which you're showing. I'm considering taking Tesla private at $420 funding secured. That was the tweet. Mm -hmm. And of course there's rules about this type of thing. We're talking about a publicly traded company. Can't, you're not allowed to be goofing around and they come and fine you. And in that case, he actually, um, in order to make it so that Tesla wouldn't have to pay their portion of the fine, he actually just bought 20 million more worth of shares from Tesla to offset. Mm -hmm. However, that probably worked out in the long run because I don't know if you've seen the Tesla share price. I don't know if you caught such a thing, but I mean, when he got fined, that was back in June or no, July. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. When did that tweet come out? August 7th, 2018. So I don't know if you want to go back to 2018 when he bought 20 million more shares. Oh, you're in 27. Anyway, it's like 60 bucks. Sure. Yeah. So I don't think he minds uh, having made that decision at this point. Although Tesla is down a little bit, 675.50 at the time of filming this. Anyway, so now it goes into the crypto as well. He's been doing the Doge thing. Uh-huh. And it's the same thing. There's some sort of warning or I don't know. Apparently... Uh, what is it? Uh, Musk is reportedly under SEC scrutiny again, this time over alleged cryptocurrency manipulation. Now, is this official official invest investigation? He's been talking a lot about cryptocurrency. Previously, the technology didn't seem to interest him. 
then he bought the 1.5 billion in Bitcoin, but his tweets have been heavy doge. Heavy doge. He said he bought his son some doge. Yeah. And it obviously affects and impacts the price, but sure. uh, this seems like a tougher investigation for the SEC. The markets are well established and the same with the rules. And uh, and then you, you get those tweets and then you get this tweet, which is a meme. Yes. Essentially. Yes. So it's hard to kind of sift through and think about his intentions. And the entire thing is a meme. The yeah. entire thing is a meme. It's a well-known meme. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's not misleading. Like everyone knows kind of what they're dealing with. Everyone knows they're in on a joke. Are so, have some people profited from this joke? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it seems like a tough one to investigate. But I don't know. Apparently he's under investigation. Did you see this? The the uh, there's another streaming service, Paramount Plus. I can't keep it together anymore. I'm losing it. Yeah. I, I've lost it. You have. Yeah, they launched I've one noticed. more streaming service, and I'm and I lo and I'm lo I lost it. Mm -hmm. I'm the skull emoji. Yeah. I got nothing left. I don't even know what to tell you about it. But now you got to have this one, Paramount Plus. They want, they want your Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, HBO slash Peacock, slash Disney Plus, slash, is that? Did you I, mention Max? Hulu. They HBO? want that. They want some of that. Sure. That's what Paramount wants. And, uh, you know, it, they're, they got the Viacom stuff, so it's quite a few titles. They got Nickelodeon, MTV, BT, Showtime, Comedy Central, and others to get you excited to sign up. And they say that over the next four years, they're going to be spending... Five billion dollars on streaming in hopes of getting 65 to 75 million subscribers around the world. The service is launching March 4th for 9.99 a month, and there will also be an ad-supported option for 4.99 available in June. They think it's going to be big, man. I don't know. Everyone's making the, their bet on their content, and people they just love the subscription model. You know why? Because you're a company. And you know what happens with the subscription model? You get money every month. Mm -hmm. Every single month. Yep. And the person, they just forget about it. And they're like, I don't know. It's my bills. I don't know. Yeah. What is that? Uh, Paramount TV? Yeah, I got that. And I got all the other ones. And, and it's every month. Nobody wants to sell you one piece of content anymore. They want your life, Will. They want your whole life. Yeah. And your identity. They want it all. Five bucks a month? Sure. There you go. They got it. <laughs> uh, Disney Plus, for their part, they are closing in on 100 million subscribers, but their pitch is so much simpler. It's like, oh, Star Wars, uh, Marvel. Okay, I don't know. You can have 10 bucks a month or 15 yeah. bucks a month. That seems like a thing I'm supposed to have. This one, it gets a little more, I don't know, it's a little tougher. It fits into the peacock category for me. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. It's but, hard to say which franchise they own and what content that they really Well, have. here's what they highlighted during their announcement. A new iCarly and a new Avatar The Last Airbender or Legend of Korra and a new Criminal Minds. Okay. Does any do do any of those do it for you? Uh no. 
I heard Avatar is pretty good, but I haven't watched it. Maybe they'll get a few subscribers. There's a live aspect to it, combining sports and news. Movies like Mission Impossible 7 and A Quiet Place 2 will debut on Paramount+, Plus, just 45 days after they're in theaters. Does that do it for you? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I like this movie, though. It's pretty good. The first one. All right. Just sign up just for that. All right, man. Oh, here's one. A little follow-up on the GameStop stuff. GameStop sa saga. Okay. Can, can, we, can we actually see a stock price? Like, what is even... Ha is it still a thing? Is there still a... Uh, is there still a GameStop thing? Oh, there is. There is they're, still, they're doing pretty good. There's still a they GameStop were, thing. You know... It was uh, dead. It was 40 bucks, And then it went all the way up to 170 No, 177 It's down at 101.74 currently. Anyway, apparently, uh, there's been an analysis on a variety of social media platforms to figure out if bots played a role mm. in the amplification of the GameStop story. And uh, there's this Massachusetts-based cybersecurity company, PIC or Peak Media, and they're suggesting that organized economic or foreign actors may have played a role in the Reddit-driven trading frenzy. Now... This was an analysis where they were looking at the habits of certain tweets and time of day and they, you know, they, they specialize in this type of analysis in looking for behavior mm -hmm. that is more likely a bot than it is a typical user. Mm -hmm. But what isn't necessarily obvious is what, like the incentive structure outside of just hoping to pump like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So if you yourself or your group decided to get into the frenzy, then you could just escalate things with the bot network. Every single hashtag is going to elevate in, in the uh, trending space of this, these social media or elevate on Reddit or wherever, whatever else you're up to, potentially bringing more people in to further pump the thing though you already have your your out planned. So it could be as simple as uh, th those who are in control of these bots looking to profit, but uh, like what other, what else would be the other incentive? Right. I don't know. Manipulation, uh, instability. It seems like Russia always comes, I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh -huh. But for me, it seems here that there is some significant incentive and a motive to just partake and participate and then accelerate your potential for earnings. But uh, the company said it identified similar daily start and stop patterns in the GameStop related post with activity starting at the beginning of the trading day and then a huge spike at the end of the trading day. Such patterns are apparently indicative of bots. I don't know, you know, humans may have done the same thing, but I mean, it sounds like this group knows what they're talking about. We saw clear patterns of artificial behavior across the other four social media platforms. When you think of organic content, it's variable in the day, variable day to day. It doesn't have the exact same pattern every day for a month. So sounds like those bots might have been at work and sound like somebody probably made a couple dollars, five, six dollars. Hmm.
How about this one? Millions of low-income Americans are going to get up to $50 subsidies for their monthly internet bills under a newly finalized U.S. program. You want 50 bucks for internet, Will? Yeah. You'll take it? Definitely. Yeah, this is one of those helping out, given the fact that people are having difficulty paying the bills right now, you know, out of work and so forth. They're trying to keep the connection on because it's going to be tough to probably find new meaningful work if you don't have that connection. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to be a $50 worth of help here on the bill. The The money won't last forever. They're saying, what, what are they doing? It's $3.2 billion program. So that'll be wiped out pretty quick nationwide, $50 a month. It will provide a monthly discount to millions of cash-starved Americans struggling to pay that internet bill. This is the country's most ambitious effort yet to close the digital divide among, amid the coronavirus pandemic. So, so here's the thing, right? Uh, who's going to be affected most in this case? Who's going to be first that can't pay? They get cut off. It gets worse. Mm-hmm. Those that are like relatively okay or they have the savings or uh, they have the work that's still in, in place, the 50 bucks is not, not all that meaningful. But for the other people to be able to get on their feet, 50 bucks could go a long way, actually, mm-hmm. when it comes to keeping the internet connection for another month, so long as it's being uh, utilized for that particular function, right? right. Uh, but, I mean, it's so many, so much of the workforce shifted to this remote-style work, and it's that is dependent on the internet connection. Mm-hmm. And so you start to think, wow, yeah, I mean, never mind getting the job, but also staying connected Having a decent connection, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess even before that, like looking for a job, like going on the Internet, looking for listings for jobs, right? They would need Internet for that. So Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Uh, this is a program. Here's a quote. This is a program that will help those at risk of digital disconnection. Citing the fact that some students have had to sit in parking lots just to obtain wireless internet to do their homework. You didn't even think about the kids. No. In short, this program can make a meaningful difference in the lives of people across the country. Yeah, I mean, the kids, what do they have to do with it? The parents lost the work. They didn't pay for the internet. They can't go to the school anymore in some places, depending on the COVID scenario there. And then the only way they logged into class was via the web and that could be a real cutoff if you can't do that mm-hmm. and we did do that story we saw the girls in the in the taco bell parking lot yeah man it's right you know it's rough <laughs> anyway all right here's a story about some of the struggles google's been having in australia which we talked about a little bit they want to australian government is interested in shifting the relationship that companies like Google have with news publishers and those that are creating stories. Hmm. Uh, there's an argument that that those publishers should be getting a bigger share hmm. of the revenues because Google is in a way, I mean, it is a partnership. Google is kind of utilizing and relying on those uh, content producers. Google's saying, you know, this is the way the internet works. Yeah. We're just linking to your stuff. And they're saying, well, when, you know, your service depends on linking to something, linking to us, we want a bigger, bigger share. I mean, I'm, obviously I'm simplifying. 
Anyway, the Aust Australian law is there. Facebook had words about it. Google had words about it. I actually don't know what the status of it is exactly. Google had at one point said, we're just going to have to leave if this thing goes down. Mm -hmm. Though it sounds like they may play ball a little bit and try to rectify the situation to a certain degree to keep doing business. Well, now India has weighed in days after Australia enacted that law, which will make tech giants Google and Facebook pay pl publishers of news content. The Indian Newspaper Society which represents the print media in the country, asked Google to increase the publisher's share of advertising revenue to 85%. Whoa. 85%. We could use some of that 85% on this platform right here. 85% uh -huh. of the advertised revenue. Sheesh. Sounds, uh, that, ain't, that ain't ever been talked great. about on YouTube. Yeah. Apparently, I need to go uh, sign up for the Indian Newspaper Society yeah. and start writing out these rants in words, you know? And uh, the reason I was so scribbly is I don't write with my left hand. I was doing an action yeah. over here. Anyway, yeah, they're looking for 85% saying that the technology giant should ensure greater transparency in the revenue reports it provides to publishers. And it's just getting tough for, you know, a lot of governments are becoming increasingly interested in technology companies and figuring out how they actually work, how they actually profit and uh, whether or not they feel it's a, a productive or, or rewarding relationship. Uh, there, there's a uh, other nations as well where publishers have raised the issue. It, it, Google has recently agreed to better compensate and pay publishers in France and notably Australia, obviously. So, We'll wait and see what happens, but it appears that uh, the conversation is happening. And the publishers say as well that if they can take a greater share of the revenue, this is what they say. If they take a greater share of the revenue, uh, they produce more high-quality content, mm -hmm. which then offsets the cheaper content or what they call the fake news. Sure. You see how that, how they... Yeah. I mean, that's what they say. Uh-huh. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. We have some images. Look at these. Wow. Mars, dude. These are high-quality images transmitted from, I don't know, kind of far away. Uh-huh. What would you say? Is that far? It takes 12 minutes yeah. to, to transmit from Mars to Earth, and we have we have some, what are like, Pretty nice high-resolution images of uh, rocks on Mars shot by the new rover Perseverance, which landed there recently. And, and so now it's unlocking all this content. And it really puts things in perspective for you when you sit there. There's a 360 image. That's the first 360 panoramic view of the rover's landing site. It was stitched together from 142 individual images from February 21st. It really puts things in perspective for as you sit here and you think of your problems on Earth uh -huh. and you imagine the lonely rover that is so far away investigating such an unknown landscape and uh, trans then transmitting images over Im Im seemingly impossible distances. It just puts things in perspective for you. You see how my voice and tone and everything changed. Yeah. It's cool wallpaper, though. <laughs> hey, man.
It is. It is actually it is. I like that that black and white one. What? How do they describe this image? This is looking down. Uh, This is a closer view of the area, showing the large crater and dune-like pattern patterning on the surface. This is the the spot that they chose to land, which they had to be uh, really careful about, right? Because I mean, imagine you screw up the whole mission, you get a bad landing site mm-hmm. for this rover. I mean, you've you've been working for years on this thing. Look at that pink coloring over here. This is one of many images taken by the rover's downlook camera during the descent. Intriguing geological features are visible, including some interesting st- stratigraphy. At top left, billions of years ago, Jezero Crater was filled with water and fed by a rushing river. Come on! Billions of... Come on! It's a cool wallpaper. Unbelievable. Man, space. Sheesh. Yeah, check out the picture. Very cool. Check out the picture. Very impressive. Now here, this will be a good way to look at some of these pictures. How about, Will, a 165-inch micro-LED TV that folds into nothing? I, I'm going to blow your mind. You didn't expect to have your mind blown today when you came here. And no. I brought you Mars, and uh-huh. now I bring you 165 inches of folding TV. Mm. Now, you're wondering, what is he talking about? The TV's enormous. I get it. What do you think about that living room, by the way, that the TV is in? Yeah. I mean, the living room is so good that it almost feels like a TV is unnecessary. Right, yeah. And you that's why I, I think they chose it to showcase this technology because there's going to be times you want to put that away, uh-huh. especially that scale, if you have a place like that. So if you scroll down to this video, and you got to play this video. Okay. This is unbelievable right here. It's called the C-Seed M1, the world's first foldable 165-inch TV. Check this thing out, Will. Well, first of all, check out the place, check out the glass, check out the ocean or whatever it's looking at. And look at this. The tiles shift and move out of the way and things begin to happen, but in an unusual fashion. No, it doesn't just come straight up from the floor. It comes up to the side in a singular monolithic post looking thing. And then in an accordion fashion, it unfolds into one single rigid structure while the base is rotating at the same time. Mm. I mean, you might not even want to watch anything on it. You might just want to watch it come up and down. Yeah, I'll just keep pressing that button. And look at all the metal and look at the tiger on the display. I mean, this is one of the coolest displays I have ever seen. It's from an Austrian company. They do these ultra premium displays like this. This is the M1. I said it has micro LED tech while well, you need it because it's in different segments that then stitch together as it transforms itself. Uh, it's billing itself as the world's first foldable 165 inch. And the set, which is going to be available in four finishes, black, gold, silver, and matte Titan, will set you back 400,000 USD. 400,000 USD. Hmm. I said it twice because it was a lot. Yeah. Now, I do have some questions regarding, like, these shifting tiles and things. Yeah. Who's installing this thing? Yeah. Does that, uh, the 400000 come with the installation fee? I don't think so. Or is it just a TV? I don't think so. Well, and I'm going to say something else to you. That thing is pretty fat. So, you, like, your flooring, you got to be aware. Because you have your typical 
what do you have? Your trusses and uh-huh. do you have you gotta have enough support and room? And obviously it can't interfere with other things you have uh, sure. potentially down there. The H back or yeah. Power. You gotta get power over there. Yeah. It's a lot of questions, but once it's there, I mean, yeah. My God, it's gotta be the fanciest one I've ever seen. Believe it or not, it's not even their biggest TV. Oh. They they have uh, an outdoor TV at 301 inches, but it doesn't do this fancy stuff. Like mm. it's not nearly as cool as that one. But you just got a new place, Will. Maybe this is what you need for it. Sure. Yeah, just grab one of those yeah. real quick. All right, this is kind of this is kind of crazy. Check out this new technology. It is a THC breath analyzer. So you know when you got the ride program is what it's called around here and 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 they're checking out to see if you've been drinking. Yeah. When you're driving, it's like the flashing lights and you drive through and they're like, you got anything to drink there, sir? Mm-hmm. And Willie Dew's like, oh, if officer, I had one beer. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, step out of the vehicle, please. No, no. I got to do my ABCs. No, Willie Do's very responsible. He says, no, officer, me drinking? You kidding me? I'm working. I'm busy. Yeah. And the officer's like, okay, okay have a nice evening. Anyway, they can just, uh, well, they have a breathalyzer, right? We've all seen these things. They can, it's a way they can tell uh, how much you've had to drink. Now, apparently this company here, Cannabix Technologies has developed something similar except for THC, which I didn't, even know it was possible. I don't know how accurate it's going to be. Uh, apparently, they've been testing. Their testing is ongoing, focused on training the device's machine learning database, determining sensitivity ranges, and improving user and administ- administrator experience. This is a press release from the company. Uh, the THCBA has been built to provide easy-to-understand screen prompts for the positive and negative detection of... A nine tetrahydral can, cannabinol, which is THC, the psychoactive component of marijuana that causes impairment in breath and can be administered with limited tra- training. What is it? Oh. That causes impairment in breath. Causes impairment in breath? Oh, I guess, yeah, your breath, there's some sort of alteration that takes place. So complicated stuff. Uh, studies have shown that breath is a better indicator of impairment than saliva, blood, or urine because THC is present in breath for a relatively short period of time, one to three hours, whereas it is excreted at detectable levels in other body fluids for many hours, days, or even weeks. Hmm. So this short time period detection in breath aligns with the peak impairment window. Wow. Never knew. I never knew that this was going to be a thing. But now that you're having legalization of marijuana in so many districts, so many places, states, there's the conversation about it happening in the U.S. nationally. Is it legal here nationally? It is, right? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that Ontario or is that across the country? It's, I think it's national, man. Will, we should know this. Uh, I think it's legal across the country. That's my bet right now. I could be wrong. Legal age to buy cannabis in Quebec. Legalization. Cannabis in Canada is legal for recreational medicinal purposes. Okay, yes. All right. So anyway, you got a demand for devices like this. Law enforcement, I guess, to try to figure out what kind of state you're actually in. 
when you're behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. Well, yep. How about this one? Here we have hidden scenes that were uncovered in ancient paintings. Scenes? You know how you know how I picked this one because we always we were always having a laugh at those restorations. Yeah. When they would do the, the botched restoration. They would try to do the restoration by hand and then it would go horribly wrong on some sort of very important or very uh very uh uh what would you call it like historic his yeah valuable sure and somebody would take it upon themselves to try to restore it to its original glory and then well, they were hired to do so right, right. well yeah. in some cases no the no? famous one it was just a worker there at the church who thought they could touch it up and improve it oh well, and everyone was like yeah. that one and everyone was like oh no you shouldn't have done that because why? Because <laughs> I don't know. It's a, for obvious reasons, but everyone has had this experience, Will, where you're just drawing a picture or painting or something, and you try to, you go, you screw up, and then you try to fix it, and you make it worse again, sure. and then you try to fix it, and you, you make it worse again. Mm -hmm. We've all had this experience. It happens. Now, in some cases, you can't just start over. You can't grab a new sheet of paper like in the case when you and I might be drawing something yeah and so you end up with some some terrifying imagine the feeling the pit in your stomach as you're looking at your restoration and realizing what's about to come down on you mm -hmm. it's uh it's a scary it's anyway in this case they used some new technology to actually bring back to life elements from the original painting okay so that it wasn't nearly as risky as pulling out the paintbrush and slapping it on there scientists are using a new technique and they've uncovered a colorful once hidden scene in paintings of ancient Etru etruscans a group of people who flourished on the italian peninsula around 2500 years ago at a time before rome became powerful for instance, they found new details in a painting from the Tomb of the Monkey and scenes of an underworld in another work of art. So there, I mean, you're making history over here. This is kind of a cool thing. Here's a quote. A major issue is the significant loss of information on the polychromy, polychromy colors of the preserved paintings with special regard to some specific colors owing to their physical chemical composition. Uh, so, like, certain colors are more inclined to fade away, like the ind the indigo and things like this, and you like to lose information in there. So, to reveal the paintings, the scientists use a technique called multi-illumination hyperspectral extraction. They take dozens of images in the visible, infrared, and ultraviolet bands of light, process them using statistical algorithms developed at the National Research Council of Italy in Pisa. You know they got to do it in Italy because they care about the artworks, Will. Yeah. And they got to find whatever way possible to bring the history back out. The technique can detect Egyptian blue, a color developed in ancient Egypt that has a very specific response to single spectral light band. Wow. It's beyond what we're, you know, it's beyond the scope of... Uh, 
it's it's complex, obviously, but mm-hmm. the uh, the output, the outcome is cool. I mean, you're bringing back to life details and specifics that were previously thought to have been gone forever. I mean, look, mm-hmm. you look at this sample right here. It's, I mean, you don't even see the tool in the hand, at all. Yeah. In that example, I know you're an art guy, Will. So I, I got to bring that no, up. Oh, this is very cool. Using science materials. Science and art. Yeah. Uh, well, there was another example recently when the dude was taking those microscopic photos of the paint strokes. Mm. Remember that guy? That was—I yeah. mean—that was equally wild. Super cool. Uh, here's a, here's one on a lighter note. Grandma chases down and tackles a thief who stole her purse. The woman appears to get the man in a headlock. Oh, is this clip available to us here? Oh, we might have to refresh. Did they? Did they? Autoplay. It's down there. Now, this uh, Gold Coast, I guess we're talking about, are we talking about Australia, probably? In the video, the woman, without shoes, appears to take off after the man. So you can scroll forward. Look at, there goes the guy. Okay, she's coming, flying! She's coming in hot behind him. And boom, hits him with the headlock. All right, I think he's losing a flip-flop. Jerseys him as well, somehow. Now, she's been thrown down, but she somehow gets the clothing Is she a hockey player? (laughs) She jerseyed him. Yeah. And the guy is like, oh, man, who did I just pick a fight? Whose purse did I just steal? And now he's shirtless. He's shirtless. He lost a flip-flop. She's on the ground, but she won't let go of the purse at this point. She has tracked him down and caught him. Now, I have to admit, his running, for some reason, he was quite slow on the running. As well, like she didn't have any trouble catching a guy and tackling him. Like she really, I don't know if he's had a few drinks. I don't know if it's a bad decision. I was thinking, does she know this person? You know, he was so casually running. But anyway, doesn't matter. She yanks the purse off of him. He scrambles. And here's here's the part that, that I like the most, okay? Check this out. Go forward a little bit more. He scrambles to his truck, which happened to be right there. He was so close to getting away. And then she picks up. Now, I think you might have missed it as you scramble through here. Just play a a short portion of this section here. Maybe a little bit before. A little bit before. A little bit. She throws his sandal at him. Bang! Take your sandal! Take that damn sandal! Take your flip-flop! I'm going to have this purse, which is mine. You keep your flip-flop. After she won a UFC match. Yeah. And he would have to just embarrassingly take his flip-flop. She flipped. She flipped the flip-flop at him. Yeah. Get out of my town. Anyway, shout out to uh, the grandma. I don't know if they how they know she's a grandma. I mean, she's obviously... A I love a, few, a hockey player. She got a few years on her, but I'm telling you right now, man. <laughs> she just, she just away. struts away. I'm yeah. telling you right now, careful who you mess with. I mean, careful who you mess with. And don't Mm -hmm. be out there taking those purses. You never know. All right, last one. This one is going to uh, uh, surprise you, shock you, scare you. Here we have some evidence of snakes inserting their heads into living frogs in order to swallow their organs. They like to start with the organs. And uh, previously, they had not known exactly how this process takes place most snakes i don't know if you've ever seen a snake eat before but the snake normally just gulps the whole 
well, it could be a frog yeah. or a rat or whatever. No, no, they don't. They don't. And then you can see the little rat or mouse or whatever going through the body of the snake. Yeah. As they digest, as it moves down. Uh, but in this case, this snake it developed an appetite for the inside of the frog, specifically the organs, huh. and it will jam its head into the, into the abdomen here and just feast on the organs. As the frog lay there, in some cases, not dead yet. Now, this is one of the images, but you're going to find an even better image if you scroll down a little more. Uh, here we go. Look at it. The head is just inside the frog. This is incredible stuff. Now, how does is it because the scale probably like the snake is like, I don't I can't be digesting this whole thing. Like, I think I've seen it before where a snake will overdo it. They'll overdo it. Yeah. And you'll try to take something in. I mean, some of this stuff with those, with the, with the, uh, uh, what, what, what is it? The type of snakes, you know, the huge ones. Pythons. And, and they try to take a goat or something. And they got the whole, they got the whole animal in there. Yeah. And that seems stressful to me. It is, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe this snake is smart. They're like, you know what? I don't have to swallow this whole thing. I'll just, I'll just nibble on there. And I don't have to be so full and incapacitated for so long. I'll just head in there and I'll take a couple of organs over here. Uh -huh. Now, I don't know. This is I'm, very R-rated here, this uh, picture. I think there might be another cool one, actually, if you okay. go down. Yeah, look at that one. Oh, that one's even worse. Yeah, that one right there. I mean, it's wild. He does some, I don't understand. I guess, is this snake poisonous? Because how is the frog just laying there? As I mean, they're not that fast moving. I'll admit that. But... Uh, Snakes and frogs, man. Nature. You never know. Cool. Nature's Scary out to stuff. get you if you're a frog.